Thank you for visiting Crosslink Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Have you ever had someone in your life that you, you wanted a deeper relationship with? Maybe you had a crush on somebody when you were in high school and you really liked them and you just could not get them to return that that uh, affection to you. Or maybe um, you, you just wanted to go deeper with somebody and they just would not go there with you. You, you had a high school or college uh, person and you're falling for them, but you get the sense that they're not really falling for you and you want that so bad and it doesn't happen and they're distant. They're polite, they're respectful, but they're distant. Maybe you have adult children and you're at a place now where you just really wish you could go deeper with your adult children. And, and you don't just want to see them on holidays and special occasions. You want to see them all the time and you want to hang out with them and you want to be their friend and you want to just be um, in a deep, deep relationship with your kids. And it, they're polite and they're respectful, but they just will not go to that place with you. Or maybe you're the kid and you want that with your parents. And for whatever reason, they just refuse to go to that deep level with you where you know them well and they know you well and you share and you talk and, and it's all good and, and uh, it's an everyday thing and it's not just a once in a while thing. And you'd love to have a real father and son deal or a real father, mother or uh, father, daughter deal or, or you know, daughter, mom, son, mom kind of relationship where you really talk and you're, you're close all the time and it's, a, it's one of those things where it's just rich and full and you get the most out of it. And you see other people with those kind of relationships and you'd really love to have something like that. <clears throat> but when it comes to your family and your life, it just doesn't happen like that. You don't get to the relationship place that other people seem to get to. And everybody's kind and everybody's polite, but everybody's a little bit dis- distant. It's frustrating when there's nothing you can do to push things beyond the boundaries that have been set up to go to a place that you want to go so desperately and the other person, the other party just is not comfortable and you want to be transparent, you want to be relaxed, you want to, um, you want to enjoy being with them and it just doesn't happen. It's frustrating. The Bible throughout, in the Old Testament and even especially in the New Testament, uh, is, is, it presents God as one who so badly wants to have an intimate relationship with his creation. You see it all throughout scripture. But time and time again, creation kind of stiff arms him. You know, in football, one of the most beautiful things that a running back ever does to a defensive player is when they're just about ready to tackle him and he sticks his arm out and he stiff arms the defensive player preventing that player from being able to get his arms around him to take him down, to tackle him. It's called a stiff arm. We do that to God in a lot of cases. Uh, creation does that all the time. We refuse to go to a relationship level with God where he wants us to go and he wants to take us. And we're polite. And we're respectful. But we keep God at a distance. He's pictured in Scripture as the father who waits while the son goes off a long distance, squanders his wealth, He's pictured as the father who waits there by the gate, looking off into the distance for the son to come back so that he can reclaim his son and have that intimate relationship with him. We see him in the garden as he searches out creation that he has made, that has gone off and rebelled and done what he said not to do, and they've hidden now. We see God calling his creation back. The relationship's been broken. He knows it. He longs to restore it, and creation has run away and hidden their face from him. This may be news to you today, depending on uh, your faith background and how you grew up and what life was like for you. 
But God desires a relationship with you. And he doesn't want just a casual, respectful relationship, not a distant thing. He wants a deep relationship with you, one marked by intimacy. God desires a relationship that, that above all characterizations of that relationship, you would put the word underneath it, intimacy. And yet we treat him respectfully. We treat him with with, with great care, but we don't always let him in. We stiff-arm God so often. Revelation tells us a, a little bit about <clears throat> a church there. Uh, there's there's a, a section in Revelation chapter 3, and I want you to look up Revelation chapter 3. Um, and if you have a hard time finding Revelation, here's how you find it. You go to the very end of your Bible, go to Maps, and come back, go left then, one book, and you'll find Revelation, that's the easiest way to find it. It's the second easiest book to find after Genesis. Just go to the back and and go until you find what John has written. John the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation. Notice that I'm saying Revelation, not Revelations. There was one Revelation. If you look at the top of your Bible now, you'll see where it says Revelation. And we're going to be in chapter 3. There's some little short paragraphs that really are letters that John has written for God. God has inspired John to write these. These are letters... Uh, to churches uh, in the area and and God has some things that he wants to say specifically to these churches Um, some of them get really good reports some of them hear really good things from God others don't hear such good things the church at Laodicea uh, that we're going to look at today kind of gets a you know a a kind of a mixed card his his report their report card for Laodicea would be you know some A's maybe uh, probably some F's too. I mean, you would look at it, and if your kids brought home a report card like that, you'd say, you know, you did this really well, but what's going on here? Why isn't this as well as uh, as good as some of the other stuff that you've been doing? And so it's important to remember that these words have been written to Christians, okay? These are people that are going to church. They, they, they are part of an established church, and um, God has some things that he wants to say um, to this particular fellowship. Um, you could have developed a perspective where God is concerned this morning your faith and your the way you've dealt with God you could have developed a perspective this morning that keeps God at arm's length and it's a perspective that may have you respectful of God it may have you very reverent but it does not have you in a place of intimacy Um, we want to take you to a new level hopefully today Uh, God certainly wants to take you there we're going to look at Revelation chapter 3 verse 15 I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot now keep in mind that these are church people these are people who have come to christ profess christ they have had someone mentor them in the faith and teach them and um you know he says i've seen what you've done and you're you're pretty good you're you're not great you could be better uh, and you believe but you're not really living out your beliefs you're not an atheist you don't you know you don't completely trash me but it, it could be better I've, I've seen how you're doing and then he says i wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either red hot, passionately in love with me, or I wish you would abandon me altogether. So because you are lukewarm, verse 16, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now that just sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? He says, I'm out of sorts with you. Because you won't go one way or the other. You just kind of, you know, you're good people. How many times have you ever talked to somebody, especially church people, and, and you know, they, they, what they want you to think about them more than anything else is, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. 
You ever had a conversation with somebody and Jesus comes up or God comes up and one of the first things that comes out of their mouth is, well, but I'm a good person. And he says, I'm, I'm out of sorts with you because you are good people, but it's not what I originally desired when I created you. And it's not what I've longed for. And then listen to this. You say, verse 17, he's talking to church people again, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. He says, you think because things are going good for you. You think because your world is aligned properly and, and that it all works out and there seems, you know, you're pretty much in the slipstream and there's not a whole lot of resistance for you. And you, you seem to think that because all is going well for you as an individual and as a church that, that you're where you need to be with me. You think that because it's all good with you, then you must be in a good place with me. And then he says, but you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now keep in mind, these are church people, and, and apparently if you had asked them, hey, how are you doing with God? The answer would have been, oh, I'm doing great. I mean, my life's set up good. Life's going good for me. And that may describe you this morning. Life's going, even in a, an economic downturn, you would say, you know what? Life's pretty good for me. Uh, things are pretty much on track. I, I'm, I'm looking set up for my retirement. You know, my kids are doing good. We're all healthy. We all got jobs. It's all going good for us. So, because it's all going good for me, then I'm assuming, and I would, I would say that everything is good with God as well. In other, in other words, what God's saying is things aren't as good as they could be. He goes on to say some more, and then you drop down and he says this. Uh, if you grew up in church, I'm sure you've heard this uh, particular verse before. Verse 20, here I am. And he's talking to these people. He's, he's kind of gotten on them a little bit, and then he comes back and he says, here I am church people you, you've got all this religious stuff going on you've got activities and good deeds and bad deeds but i want you to know and here comes a contrast here i am now, i know you're busy and i know you're religious but here i am i stand at the door of you who are christians of you who are religious people i stand at the door and knock and you think, well, it's Jesus. I mean, wouldn't Jesus just go on in? I mean, doesn't Jesus, I mean, can't he just, you know, can't he just barge in and take over? I mean, why, God made me, why, why can't God just barge in and do whatever it is that he wants to do? And all of a sudden, we're introduced to a new concept, and it is throughout the Bible, and it is the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion that the God who invites us into relationship says, with all my power and with all my ability and with, with all that I've got going for me, the one thing I cannot do is the one thing that I desire the most. I can make you obey me. I can make you fear me, but I cannot make you love me. I can threaten you, I can take your children, I can take your finances, I can take your health, I can give you those things, but I cannot make you love me. And throughout Scripture, you see a God that is searching for intimacy with his creation. And because he can't force you to love him, here's Jesus pictured outside a church saying, can I come in? I, I want in. Can I come in and can we have a relationship, not just a, a polite thing, not just a respectful thing, not something where you've got me at arm's length and you're giving me the stiff arm, but, but can I come in and 
could we sit down and, and really, you know, I'm going to use this word, and I don't, it's a misunderstood word a lot of times, but can we fellowship? Can we, can we be together in relationship? And I don't want in like, you know, where you, you, you talk about me and you believe in me. I mean, I, I, that's, I'm, that's, I want more than that, Jesus would say. I want in in a relationship that only you can have with me. And I want it in a way that only you can have it with me. Because I can't force you to love me. See, one of the greatest things that God ever did for us, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. But one of the great things that God did to show us that he loves us is that he gave us a free will. He gave us the opportunity to choose whether or not we would love him. I mean, you think about it. If you could make a robot, and you could make that robot do anything you wanted it to do, you, you would, you, and you tinkered and you played with, and you know, I wanted to be able to wash the windows, and you could, you know, play around with the sensitivity of the hands and all that stuff. You would tinker until it could do everything, but you would not be satisfied until you could. At some point, you'd say, "I want to talk to this robot. I want this robot to understand me." And when you got to that point, you're pretty much going to start thinking, "Now I want this robot to love me." Well, I'll go in and I'll, I'll program it so that it will return love to me. You know what? As a programmer, you would know that's empty. That's no good. You would want that robot to be able to choose to love you. And so when God created us, one of the great things he did is he gave us the opportunity to choose to love him, to choose how deep into relationship with him we would go. So you can imagine how it breaks God's heart when he sees us hold our arm out like this and we're polite and we're respectful, but we say, God, that's far enough. I don't want to get any closer than that. And God says, oh, I want to go so deep with you. I want you to know me. And we stiff arm God. We opt for something different. We opt for something different than the relationship that is characterized by intimacy. See, religion is responsible, is, is a response to God that allows us to treat him respectfully but not intimately. That's what religion is. Religion, and if you've been coming, coming here very long, you know we, we may, there's a big difference in this church. We don't like to be called religious here. I don't like for someone to, to say, hey, tell me about your religion. Well, you know, there are parts of my faith that sometimes take on religion. Most of what I'm trying to do as a Christian is get religion out of my life. I mean, there's certain things I do religiously. I eat at certain restaurants religiously. I, I take a certain route to school and work with the kids in the morning religiously. I have certain routines that I do, especially Sunday morning. I do certain things religiously, but they really have very little to do with God. I mean, when it comes to God, I'm, I'm really trying to find all the the parts of religion in my faith and get rid of them. I don't want to be called, I don't like being called religious. Because religion is all about going through motions and sitting in rows and doing things and making it look like and appear like God and I are on this plane where we get along and God says, "Hey, I want to do way more than just get along with you." And so we we fall into this this mindset or this this trap or this this thing that that it, we 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 can't go deeper with God because we we go to church and we say things like you know I love God and I believe in God and I have conversations all the time with people all the time with people where we talk about you know how do I how how can this mean more 
it, Brett, it just seems like some, something's missing. And what's missing, what, what we crave, what we want, and, you know, what's really true of a lot of us is we don't have the kind of intimacy we want with anybody, much less God. And so we crave that. And God's right there, and he's saying, you know, I want to go deep with you. I, I want so much more. And see, when you're committed to religion as opposed to the real thing, God becomes somewhat of a formula for you. You can kind of uh, finagle God and, and, and organize him in a way and explain him. What really scares us is when God gets to a place where we can't explain him anymore. And, and we, what really bothers us is when we don't understand God. See, we're not happy. We, we want to understand God completely. And God, you know, so much more and bigger and he's so hard to sometimes understand and and yet that's really what we want we, we want a formula for god and you go to church you read your bible and you say your prayers before bedtime and at meals and and if you sin you you, you know the right prayers to pray to ask god to forgive you for your sins and it's in jesus name and amen we have a formula and we can live our life and we can be respectful to god but there's no intimacy and there's no relationship going on. And it's a lot like what happens, you know, religious people, and if this hasn't happened to you yet, this will eventually happen to you. Eventually, it's all about getting God to do things for you. You know, eventually, you, you'll fall into a place where if, if all you've got is religion, what happens is you fall into a place where you're just trying to behave good so that God will like you and you can perform well enough to manipulate God to get him to do the things that you want him to do. And without it, I mean, when I say that from up here, it, it, it sounds like, it, you hear that and you go, that's crazy, why would anybody do that? But when you examine your faith and examine your life, I know this is true of me, I fall into these traps where I think, well, if I'm behaving well, then God's going to bless me and give me the things I want and do the things I want him to do. All because I've fallen into a trap where I think to myself, I'll do this and God will be pleased and happy with me and then I'll get A, B, or C. And it's about how do I find the right combination of things to get God to do for me what I want him to do for me? How do I get God to keep me healthy? How do I get God to make me wealthy? How do I get God to get my kids graduated and out of the house? You know, how, how do I do that? How do I throw God a bone once in a while and make him, you know, keep him on the leash so that he's right there when I need him, but I don't want him to get too close to me. And we don't say it like that because, after all, it is disrespectful, and the last thing we want to be with God is disrespectful, but we also don't want things to get too close. And it's religion, and it's formula, and it's a way to get God in on my deal so that God can do what I want him to do and need him to do and, and really I'm hoping he'll do. But eventually, if you continue to stay religious, you are going to become very judgmental and you're going to get that way because you have decided that God likes things a certain way and he doesn't like things a certain way. And when you see people doing things that are, that are you know, you are convinced that God doesn't like. And you decide you don't like them and they're ungodly and they're not good Christians. And what really ticks you off is that you wish you could do some of those things if you weren't so religious. And after all, isn't that why if some of you grew up in church and you got to a certain age and then you left church, isn't that why you left church? Because it really boiled down to religion and there really wasn't a whole lot of life in it. 
and you were going to church every Sunday and, and it was, seemed like the same thing and it just seemed like a dead end and you were trying to be religious and it was really empty and it didn't really feed you it didn't give you what you needed and it seemed foolish and it didn't make sense and everybody else was having a big time and you said I'm out I can't do this anymore this whole religious thing it's killing me and so you left and you went away and 20 or 25 years later you're 30, 35, 40 years old starting to have kids and starting to look around and you think man I need to get back to church and you want to go back to church but you don't want to go back to the whole religious thing and so you think well I, you know, I, I, I mean I don't want to do that again because that's what I left but man I'm such a mess I mean I feel so guilty I'm miserable I mean God where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to do you stay religious long enough and you will become judgmental and you'll learn to hate people some of the greatest pains that maybe you have ever had in your life and I know this for a fact in this room because I know some of you and I know the kind of churches you've come out of but some of the greatest pains some of you have ever experienced in your life came from church people in a church setting religious people who did not know God who treated you in a way that God would never want you treated and it hurt you and you wanted to leave church and you wanted to leave God behind because you thought there's no way if that's the way God's people are I don't want anything to do with that Christian people religious people pushed you out something didn't go right you had some tough thing in life and they embarrassed you or called you out and you didn't fit anymore and you were out and you said I thought this was about love I thought Jesus was about love and compassion and the last thing I got was love and compassion. Religion is not about love and compassion. Religion is about harnessing the power of God for me. That's what religion is. Religion is how do I behave in such a way and harness God's power to get what I want God to do for me that's what religion is and ultimately religion becomes a very very self-centered thing listen to what Jesus said about religious people in his day and this is interesting in light of where we find ourselves today as a culture when you think about us globally as Christians on this planet sharing this planet with other people who are of other faiths who aren't Christian people listen to what Jesus said this is John chapter 16 all this I have told you so that you will not go astray in other words things are about to get tough and I just want to give you a heads up that things are about to get tough they meaning religious people people locked into their religion will put you out of the synagogue they're not going to let you go to church anymore in fact a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God see this is where religion goes you, you stay religious long enough you keep God at a distance and you'll get so disoriented that you'll think that that the point of this whole thing is to kill somebody else because that's what God wants you to do and you're going to think hey God thinks that's great some years ago we thought that was outlandish I mean who in the world would ever be involved in a religion that they would think God wanted them to kill other people and you look up today and you realize this is a reality this is where religion will take you why is religion so dangerous to God here's, here's what Jesus said they will do such things because they have not and what's the word they used they have not it's not believed 
They will do such things because they have not believed. That's not the word that, that Jesus uses. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Consequently, in the midst of all my religious activity and coming to church and singing the songs and shaking hands with people, you don't know God. There's no relationship. There's all this general belief and there's, there's respect and you're polite and I'm polite. but we don't know the Father, and that means that the Father is a stranger. And over time, as God becomes a stranger, we become a stranger to his ways. And if things in the, don't go in a way that we think they ought to go, and all of a sudden we get upset with God, and, you know, you, maybe I don't know you as well as I thought. You become a stranger to his ways, you become a stranger to his will. And you make really dumb decisions. And when things don't work out relationally or financially, you know, God, are you, are you going to take care of me? God, aren't you going to take care of me? I mean, I, come on. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I've talked to people and they've been upset with God. And, you know, they start to outline what their decisions have been in their life. And they've made horrible decisions. And they're blaming all the outcome of that on God. And God would say, hey, don't pin that on me. You don't, you don't even know me. You made decisions completely outside my will. You made decisions that if you'd known me, you'd known you shouldn't have been doing that. You shouldn't have signed that. You shouldn't have gone there. You shouldn't have known them. And then you, you, you want, what people want oftentimes is they want, God, let me live my life. And then we go live life, get ourselves in a complete mess, and then go to God and say, God, how in the world could you let this happen to me? And then we shake our fist at God, and God says, hey, don't do that with me. You, you don't even know me. And the reason that you're in such a mess is because you don't know me. And you finally, you become a stranger to God's love. And when you become a stranger to God's love, do you, do you know how you will approach him? You will think, God wants me to perform my way into his good graces. If you do not know God's love, then what happens by default is you default to a place where you say, I'll perform my way to be good in good with God. You go have conversations with your friends and have a conversation about God and you find out how long it takes many, many of your friends to default to a position where they say, pleasing God is all about my performance. Now, certainly God wants us to perform well. I think, I don't think, you know, I don't want you to think that I want you to just go out here and live however you want. I think God wants us to perform well. But somewhere we, we get this idea that God is more pleased with me or, or is pleased with me or loves me if I perform well. And the fact of the matter is, God is crazy about you right now. Right now. Before you do one great thing for him, before you act in any one good way, God loves you right now. I tell adults all the time, you are the apple of God's eye. And they look at me and they, they just can't believe that. Well, Brett, you don't know. Don't tell me what. I don't want to know. Well, Brett, if you knew what I did or thought last night, don't care. You're the apple of God's eye. You're his creation. You're his, you're his trophy. You are, you are the thing he is most proud of and the thing he desires a relationship with, the one he wants to go deep with. And everything becomes, if you're religious, everything becomes about comparing yourself to everybody else. And you say things like, well, I'm a, I'm a, you know what I'm going to say next, right? I'm a pretty good person. I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. And you think that getting into heaven is about performing your way there. And 
You know why you think that? If you think getting to heaven is about how well you perform and that if you do it well enough, God's going to give you a pass into heaven, do you know why you think that? It's because you're a stranger to the love of God. That you don't understand that he loves you in spite of everything you've done. That his grace covers everything that you've done. That you could never perform. Romans 3 tells us this very clearly. You cannot perform well enough to get into heaven. If that's the standard you want to use, you, 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 I'm telling you, you don't want God to use that standard. Religion will kill you. Religion will make you a judgmental person. It will alienate you from people. And religion will make you a stranger to God. Intimacy with God is like intimacy with people. You need three things at least to be intimate with people. First of all, you've got to give them time. Unrushed, unstructured. Some of my favorite moments of intimacy in my life with deep friends you've heard me talk about my friend michael when i'm with michael and we have my favorite thing is to know that i've got a couple of days with him where we're just going to be able to sit and talk and have something good to drink and some good food we used to go to the youth workers convention together it was a highlight of my year i I couldn't wait to do that and it wasn't because i was going to learn a ton from the speakers although i did and it wasn't because i was going to hear great music although i did and it wasn't because i wasn't going to have fun because i did but the beauty of that whole thing was I had two or three days with Michael. We would hear all this stuff and bounce it off each other and, and you know, run this stuff up against what we thought about God, and it was deep, and it was intimate. It was beautiful. We didn't rush it. We had to give it time. You've got to give it time. You've got to give it transparency. You, you cannot talk in formulas with God. And, you know, I listen to my own prayers sometimes, and they, they default to a formula. I listen to my kids when, when they, you know, we spend a lot of time when we would pray with the kids trying to get them to see, hey, don't say the same thing all the time. Have new thoughts. You know, God wants something new and different every day. You talk to me differently every day. Talk to God differently every day. I mean, they used to start their prayers the same. You know, it was almost routine. And I would stop them and say, no, 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 we don't, we're not going to pray like that. I mean, you don't wake up in the morning, good morning, honey, how are you? Would you like some coffee? Yes, please, I would like some toast and some butter. Would you please pass the apple butter or whatever it is you put on your toast? And it's a formula. And we don't do that with our, our, our husbands and our wives, and we don't do that with our kids, and we don't do that with our bosses or anybody else, but yet we can default to that place where it becomes a formula with God. If there's no transparency, you'll never... You'll never have the kind of deep, intimate relationship that God wants and that ultimately you don't even know it, but you want it. I want it. Are you angry with God? Tell him. Do you have lust in your heart? Sit down with God and have an honest conversation and say, God, you made me. You wired me this way. I'm having a hard time, you know, putting the reins on this thing. You know what? Here, here's a hint for you. God, you're not going to go into a prayer time with God and start laying out whatever your thing is. I mean, for it's different for all of us, but we've all got stuff, and we carry it to God, and we think, man, I don't want God to know that. Here's a hint for you. You're never going to hear God go, really? I did not know that. I did not know that. that. That is news to me. There's nothing in your world, okay? Hear me again. Nothing nothing in your world that you think or you feel or you want or you've done that is a big secret to God and so if it's there 
I don't care what it is. Be transparent. Come in with all your junk and say, God, here it is. Half this stuff gets in the way of my relationship with you. I don't know what to do with it. And God would say, you know what God would say? You're doing something with it right now. You're confessing it to me, and you're, you're acknowledging that it's real, and you're acknowledging that you want a relationship with me that goes deeper, and this is the stuff that's in the way. And listen, we've all got that stuff. We've all got that stuff. But you show me a person who has a deep, intimate relationship with God, I will show you someone whose prayer life is honest and raw and real. And it's not a formula, and they don't do the, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the many blessings you've given to us. Now, please keep us healthy and, and keep, protect my kids, and I uh, hope we have good weather today. Amen. That's a formula, and there's no transparency in that. And as long as you pray your prayers that way, see, as a pastor, it's cool as a pastor when I'm around people who aren't afraid to pray in front of me and I love it when other people pray and don't not that I don't want to pray but I want to see other people pray I want to hear other people's prayers you know at, at family gatherings at my house who do you think says all the prayers at Thanksgiving I do because I'm the professional Christian so, so you know we're going to have Brett say the prayer you know, it's just a given okay we're going to pray now Brett But there's a lot of people who don't want to pray in front of me because they think, man, I don't, I don't know how to do this in front of the pastor. Look, if you know how to talk to me or you know how to talk to your wife, you know how to talk to God. Let her rip, man. Just, just talk. God, this is what's on my heart. This is what's scaring me to death today. This is what's going on with my kids, and I am so frustrated, I can't see straight. God, you got to help me somehow figure out what I'm going to do. Or, God, I see her every day and think the same thought. Why, God, does that happen? Please help me. And God's like, now we're getting somewhere. Now you finally confessed it, and now we're on a different plane then. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Thank you for the many blessings. And look, we've got many blessings. I'm not saying you shouldn't be thankful for many blessings, but there's more to your life than that. Tell him what's going on. Think about the people you're closest to and why you're close to those people. And the thing that you will find is that you are transparent with them. They know you, and you know them. You know how they're going to react in certain situations. You could take your best friend, drop them into a situation, you can say, I know exactly how they're going to respond to that particular situation. So you've got to have time, you've got to have transparency, but you have got to have submission. Now, we do not like that word. We just do not like, I use that word in every wedding I ever do, and when I do, it's usually I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm talking from Ephesians 5 about women be submissive. You can just see the hair on women's necks stand up when I use the word submission. We do not like the word submission. We don't. And at the end of that, I come back and say, by the way, Ephesians 5 says to submit to one another. That's men and women. Okay, so it's not just the women. And we think submission is a great word as long as we're telling somebody to submit to us. That's great. But when you tell me to submit to somebody else, well, I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? I'm going I'm to give you a principle this morning, and this this is the, the strongest dynamic in the message this morning, okay? This principle is a very strong truth, and, and this, this 
This has the potential to change the relationships that you're in this morning in your relationship with God. Submission is the most powerful relational dynamic in the world. Submission is the most powerful relational dynamic in the world. When two people submit to one another and put the other's best interest ahead of their own, you have no choice but to go deeper. It will work every time. When two people come together and say, I'm going to put your needs ahead of my needs, and I'm going to put what's best for you ahead of what's best for me. And let's face it, that's hard because God made us perfect, but then Adam happened and Eve happened. And when that happened, we, we, we became, we inherited that sinful nature. We, we are selfish people. We think of us first. If you want to dispute that, watch a two-year-old. You put two people together, you put man and God together, and both are committed to mutual submission, and that relationship will go deep quickly because there's mutual submission. I don't care whether it's boss and employee, husband and wife, uh, kid and parent. If there's mutual submission, they will go deep. If your kids will submit to you, and if you will sometimes submit to your kids, you'll be amazed how deep that relationship will go. It doesn't matter. See, the idea of submitting to God scares you. Uh, if it does, it scares you because you, you don't know God. And the thing is, God made the first move. Before we were born, before we ever said our first prayer, before we ever did our first sinful thing, before we ever went to church, before we ever took communion, before we ever offered up a prayer to God, God took the first step in our direction. God said, I'm going to put your deal ahead of my deal, and I'm going to put your sin ahead of my glory. He sent Jesus to die for us, and he said, your sin is more important than my glory. I could stay in heaven. I could have the angels singing to me all the time, but I'm going to send Jesus to die for you and your sin problem. So when you finally submit to me and it becomes a mutual thing, you will go far outside the realm of religion, and you will go deep in relationship. God, God wants you to love him. He, he doesn't just want you to be respectful. He, he doesn't just want you to be polite and fearful. What he wants is, is the one thing that only you can give, and he wants your love. You know what lights me up as a father? What, what lights me up and what lights you up as a parent is, is when your kids come to you and they say, Dad, can I talk to you? I mean, things get quiet in your world, don't they? There's a, see, it's different. It's not, Dad, Dad, can I borrow money? Or, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Dad, can I, you know, can I go stay the night with so-and-so? You know, you know the difference when they come to you and say, Dad, can I, can I talk to you? Oh, whatever I'm doing, this is important, and I'm going to stop doing it because this is going to be a serious conversation. I, Bennett, uh, was, we, were, we went through the whole learning to drive experience last summer, and um, he had some things going on in his world last summer, and were kind of hard on him and so we were out one night practicing driving and um it was cool he was we were listening to music and we we that's one of the things we share we share a, an interest in the same kind of music and was just really having a good time out just talking to him and all of a sudden he reached up and he turned the radio down and he said dad i need to talk to you for a minute that'll light you up now I don't know what's coming next, but I know it's important. If it's important enough for him to turn his music down, I want to hear that. 
that's intimate that's what we want you think god doesn't just light up when you finally come in and you say god i know that all my prayers always start with dear heavenly father please bless me please give me but this one's going to be different god i am confused and i don't know what to do i'm hurt i don't know what to do or god this person did this to me and i'm hurt about it or or, god i want this so bad and i and it hurts and i can't have it or god i did this and it's come between me and you and it's bothering me or god this thing happens to me every day in my world and i know it's a sin but it bothers me when will you when will i get to a place where we no longer go through religion and we keep god at a distance and we're polite and we're respectful but we finally say lord come in and look at this mess that is my life because you're the only one that can clean it up see this is the hardest thing for me as a pastor when i'm talking to someone about coming to christ this is the hardest part is to get them convinced that that this is a beautiful place to be that you don't you know they say well i can't go to church yet no you can you don't have to get all cleaned up before you come to church come to christ he'll help you with this stuff if you'll be honest and raw and real and tell him go back to listen how john finishes this revelation chapter 3 verse 20 here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and beat the living daylights out of him because he did not open the door when i knocked and that's what we think. I, you know, that's what people think. They don't want to come to Christ because, man, if I come to Christ, he is going to knock me out for the stuff I've been doing. And if that's what you think, then let's just be real and honest and say, you don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would know he can't wait to be the father of the prodigal son who wraps him up and says, kill a fatted calf, get a robe and a ring and put them on him because my son has come home and we are now in relationship again. That's what God wants. And the one thing that he wants is not something he can take from you. He's left it up to you to give it. You you ever been somewhere you weren't welcome? You ever been in someone's house and you knew that they didn't want you in their house? You ever gone to an event and thought to yourself the minute you got there, I have made a huge mistake. What am I doing here? You know that sick feeling you get when you realize you're not where you're supposed to be because these people don't want you there? That's exactly how God feels as he knocks. You say, well, why didn't he just walk on in? He's God, he can do it. No, he's waiting. He doesn't want to just be in the house with you. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be wanted in. He wants to be wanted in relationship with you and me. That is intimacy with God, and that is one of the values of this church. If you've never given your life to Christ, that's what it's about it's not about performance it's not about being good it's about intimacy with your heavenly father who loved you so much that he sent jesus to die on a cross for you and for me and for our sin and for all of our mess to say come to me put your head on my chest cry a little bit talk to me tell me how bad it hurts tell me how you're confused tell me how you're tempted tell me where you fail tell me where you've done something good just talk to you can have that by just saying yes to Christ by just opening the door 
when you hear him knock. And you know he's knocking. So let him in. Let's pray together. Father, in a world where everything moves faster and faster and it's about more production and it's about doing it uh, more efficiently and better and there's more noise and clutter and we got computers and cell phones and fax machines and we, we got cars and trucks and trains and buses, planes. We, there's, there's noise all around us and iPods and iPhones and it just never ends, God. In the world where all that exists, you, you, you so quietly call us with a still small voice and you say, I want to know you. I pray, Father, this morning that we would get past religion and we would get to a place of true personal relationship with you that is real and raw and honest and know, God, it's not pretty. And its beauty is only uh, found in the fact that you are willing to rise up and overcome any nasty, filthy thing we bring to you all the rags that are our life and we bring it to you and you say I love you just the way you are and I died for you and you are forgiven and you are mine so Father this morning if there's someone in the room who has never given their life to you I pray that they see you for what you really are and not as people have portrayed you as some mean nasty angry God who all, they want, all you want out of us is performance but that they will see you maybe for the first time as someone who craves, desires a heart relationship with you. Father, we love you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.